0: Hello everybody and welcome back to the d Supply Show podcast. Hey, this is Matt Breckwald. It is great to be back with you and fall is upon us and uh, we're going to be out still hiking and enjoying some of those beautiful Idaho and Oregon fall days with our canine pets and we thought, well, let's talk about those pets and if there are still any risks out there in terms of... Ticks and things like that that we need to be wary of, and so we're bringing back onto the show uh, Dr. Brett Bauscher, Doctor of Veterinary Medicine, and the owner of the Canyon Small Animal Hospital in Caldwell. And uh, of course, Dr. Bauscher is definitely a friend of the show, friend of DNB Supply, and provides with all sorts of great advice frequently. So, Dr. Bauscher, welcome back to the show, and thank you so much for doing it.
1: Thank you, glad to be here. You bet. How's your summer been? It's been. Um it's been a little crazy. I mean, with the, with the new arrival of so many folks from other states that are moving to our great state, and uh, you know, it's 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 put a little stress and strain on the uh, the clinic, um, trying to accommodate everybody. But it's it's been good. It's been good. Looking forward to the fall and maybe a little less uh, overcast smoke and and uh, some time out spent outdoors you know
0: me too and by the way we've got lots of new uh, lots of new friends and neighbors in our in our state and in our area here absolutely yeah absolutely. it's
1: been fun to see things kind of uh, you know um, get busier get uh, some new people in here and some new ideas it's i think it's a mm-hmm. good thing yeah,
0: well, good. Well, good. Well, you know, I'm with you. Uh, this has been, a, I, I've just started referring to it as the smoke season now. And it's been a long smoke season. But our falls, our falls here are some of the most beautiful that I've ever experienced. You know, late September, early October. Um, it really gets pretty and really pleasant for being outside. And, and it's really some of my favorite times to be out in the outdoors and kind of tromping around on trails and in the woods and of course hunting and all of that in October. Uh, But the one thing I've never really given any thought to is do we see an uptick in any sort of behavior from, from pests like ticks as they're trying to get ready for the winter? I mean, every spring I'm on the lookout for them with our dogs, but what about the fall?
1: Yeah, generally we, we do see an uptick um, so to speak. Uh, It's uh, it's, it's definitely uh, the the highest tick season. The uh, height of the tick season is the spring and um, early summer, but um, but they certainly are around all summer long. Uh, they're actually around year year round, um, but uh, but as far as uh, the ones that we tend to see on our pets, um, mostly dogs, um, certainly spring and summer are the are the height of the season. But we do see them uh, see a little bit of an uptick in the in the fall. And, um, I'm, I'm not sure if that's because the, uh, I mean, I'd, I'd have to ask somebody that was an entomologist, a tick specialist specialist, but, mm-hmm. um, I, I suspect that maybe that's just a matter of people, you know, coming out in that cooler weather and spending more time with their pets outside. And then they get exposed to the ticks that were there anyway, but, uh, yeah, we certainly see more. Ticks on the um, on our patients in, in the fall than we do in the winter, and uh, maybe not quite as many as as we do in the spring and the in the uh, summertime. But it is a serious problem, and it's it's actually becoming a, a more serious problem um, as time goes by. And some thoughts are that uh, you know with with the change of the climate or maybe our our winters certainly haven't been as severe as they they were in the past. Um, that that season is extending so Mm. does that mean Mm. that the ticks are surviving better uh, because of the warmer weather or be maybe just people's time spent outdoors is is getting longer and further into the into the fall i'm not sure with the answer to that question but we definitely are seeing more ticks uh, this fall than we have in the past or at the beginning or this late summer anyway
0: Oh, that's interesting. Well, I would definitely think that seasons are getting extended. I mean, I'm very agriculturally based and I've been watching ag uh, on our farm and and all around for for years here. And I just watch, I watch what the farmers are doing. They're planting earlier, they're cutting hay earlier. Those, those seasons are getting extended. So I guess it would make sense that it would impact uh, the insects that, that are affected by cold
1: temperatures as well. Well, it does. And, and I mean, there was, I I just happened to, in preparation for this, um, I was looking at some news articles that were um, just recently um, put in the, let's see, it was January, I believe of, of this year where um, Idaho Fish and Game released a story about ticks and, um, and their impact on moose populations. Hmm. And um, there has been a, a decline in moose populations in general since the since 1990 when they started looking at this. And um, one of the reasons is high tick loads that they're finding on these moose, and they think it's because of warmer winters. Um, But to the point that these moose are now being debilitated by extremely high tick loads and also diseases that are transmitted by ticks. So if they're affecting moose, they're going to be affecting our, uh, our canine companions as well.
0: Yeah. No kidding. My goodness. And I, I don't know, you know, it would seem, it would make sense, although this would just be a hypothesis, but it would make sense if, as we're getting ready for winter, if the ticks were trying to load up, you know, they've got a, you know, I don't know. I don't even know if they survive through the winter, how that all works, but if they're going to try to do that, they got to, they got to feed.
1: Well, they definitely do. I mean, their life cycle is typically, I think, a couple of years, and um, as they progress through their life cycle, they obviously are wintering over in a maybe in a state of dormancy for some species. Again, I'm not an expert on the on the bug itself, but I do know that they do overwinter, and um, and and we don't see as many of them around. But again, does that mean that uh, I'm certainly I'm sure that it means that there aren't as many you know, in the areas that we're we're out when we're out in the wilderness, but, um, but they, they are present and, um, and maybe it's also because we just aren't moving around out in the winter time out in the snow looking for them. But, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, it's definitely a year round problem
0: yeah uh, absolutely that's interesting now is there anything that folks can do uh during the fall if if there's an uptick coming what can folks do to protect their their dogs
1: there are a lot of products um and i think uh, in in d&b stores carry quite a few different products and i think it can be sometimes pretty confusing as um, to the owners of which one are the best i mean generally there are Um, the the topicals, the liquids that are put on the dog's back, um, and then there are collars available. Usually that's what you find in uh, retail stores. The oral products tend to be more prescription products. And in general, I would say that um, the more money you spend on the product, the probably the better it is. Better in its efficacy, um, its potency, and its safety. Now, that doesn't mean that you know something isn't is certainly better than nothing at all. So um, when you're choosing a product, I think there's a couple of things that are really important to consider. And one is certainly the the age I mean, of, of your dog. some some of these products are not approved for puppies, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are not approved for uh, lactating um, or pregnant animals. Uh, So that's a consideration you need to read the label. Um, Also consider where you're going to be using it. Some of them are are not very good choice if your dog's going to be wet all the time or likes to swim, or you maybe bathe your dog for some reason every couple of weeks. That's certainly going to diminish the efficacy of certain products. I also tell people, you know, think about the fact that, you know, if you've got, let's say, two dogs at home and maybe an adult dog and maybe a puppy maybe a collar or one of these products that is sort of a tag that hangs down might not be the best choice because the puppy's likely going to eat that. And, um, you know, then there's also uh, consideration of, of um, whether or not you have cats at home because some of these um, topical products can be very, very toxic to cats. Um, even, and not, not, I'm not saying put it, if, if put on the cat, I'm saying if it's put on the dog and the cat is in the same proximity, mm-hmm. um, that can be very toxic to cats. So, and, and then there's, um, exposure to, to children and things like that. So while there are a lot of choices there, there often oftentimes can be a lot of, um, factors that need to be considered. And, and I, I, I think some research needs to be done before maybe you head out to the store, or at least spending some time in the uh, in the pet products aisle and reading the packages and looking for some of those warnings.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Now, these medicines, these things that help prevent these, you know, ticks. I guess attaching to the dogs. Is it is it something where the tick tastes it or smells it or something like that and just moves on, or is there actually something when they when they actually start? Uh, feeding off of the dog that systemically it it harms the tick or kills the tick how does that work
1: that depends on the product that we're talking about um okay. i mean most of the topicals are either works sort of like think of uh, the the uh, the bug sprays that we might put on ourselves to prevent yes. mosquito bites or, or tick bites mm-hmm. some of them do contain products that are uh, we call pyrethroids or pyrethrins. Um, they, are, they used to be just derived from chrysanthemum extracts, um, and these are t- typically more repellents, um, so the ticks are just going to a- avoid getting on your animal because they detect this, this chemical. Okay. Those are also the ones that we tend to see getting, where we get into the most trouble as far as um, toxicity uh, to cats, so that's something to remember. Um, the, the pyrethroids are not typically not the best choice. Some of them are better than others for, for cats um, or dogs in the proximity of cats and people, for that matter. Okay. But, um, and they're also the ones that may be the most susceptible to um, being washed off if the pet's swimming all the time. So uh, that's how they work. They just are essentially a repellent. Others are are absorbed into the sebaceous glands of the skin and released that way, so the tick just crawling around on the dog might be repelled by that, or certainly when they bite the dog. And others are chemicals that are distributed throughout the body in the bloodstream, and then when the tick bites the dog, it it will kill the tick within a certain amount of time. Okay. These are, it's not like the tick bites the dog and falls over dead um, with those types of products, but what we're, what we're primarily concerned about, I mean, the, the bite of the tick, I mean, we would rather not have our pets bitten by ticks, but that's um, the, the, not the biggest concern. The biggest concern would be the transmission of certain tick-borne illnesses. Mm-hmm. And some of those can be very, uh, very serious. Fortunately, most of these products, while again, they're not going to have ticks immediately falling off the dog, they do kill the tick within a certain amount of time Before transmission of some of these diseases occurs, which can be in in certain cases, um, you know, up to, I think in in Lyme disease cases, for instance, it's it's at least 48 hours, maybe 72 hours. It takes that long for that particular bacteria to be transferred while the tick is feeding off of the host. So if that product is good enough to kill the tick within a certain amount of time before that disease transmission occurs then that's, you know, that's what we're trying to achieve.
0: Interesting. So I did not realize it would take that long. That's interesting. I mean, they bite the dog and that bacteria is, it's not immediately introduced or it just takes that long to get that much
1: bacteria in that it takes old. How does that work? That's right. It takes a while for that to be introduced through the tick saliva. And, and it's different. I mean, we're talking in that case, we were talking about Lyme disease. There are other diseases. There's a disease anaplasmosis, ehrlichiosis, Rocky mountain spotted fever are probably the three that we really deal with in, in Idaho the most. Mm-hmm. I mean, and to put that into perspective, we, we don't see those diseases a lot. We're seeing more. Um, the, the, uh, there's a, uh, an, an organization called the uh, companion animal parasite control that, uh, is, is, a, they accumulate data from all over the United States about, um, transmission of of all kinds of parasites, but certainly ticks and tick-borne diseases. And in Idaho, um, those three diseases, well, the the ones that I mentioned, not Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever was one I mentioned, but I have the data for Ehrlichia, Anaplasma, and Lyme disease. Mm -hmm. And for instance, since um, we'll just pick um, Ehrlichia, uh, since 2016, it, it went from about 10 cases up to... Um, almost 100 cases in 2020. So what does that mean? I mean, that that certainly could mean that maybe we're doing a better job of testing. Certainly we have um, these test kits more readily available now than maybe we have been. Um, But I think it certainly does mean also that we're just, these dogs are getting more uh, infected, affected by these diseases. So... um, I mean, the, the prevention of, of it is the cure, or is, is the thing that we want to want to work on the most, right. um, and these products are really, really great. I mean, if, if, it, if it repels a tick or if it kills a tick, either way, it's unlikely to transmit the disease.
0: Okay, very good. Now, uh, is there anything that people should be doing in addition to the medications to uh, keep these ticks off of their dogs or away from their dogs?
1: yeah I think just um, um examining your dog after you've left the field, um, and that's sometimes easier said than done, um, <laughs> sure. depending on the on the temperament of your dog and, right. and uh, how thick coated they are and those types of things. but um, but that is um, certainly the first line of defense is just uh, removing the ticks before they have a chance. Uh, to get deeply embedded, or if they have already embedded in the dog, then just simply removing them, and that's that's not difficult to do. Um, there's people kind of make a lot bigger deal out of that than than need be. Simply grasping the the, the tick by its its head and uh, with a pair of um, tweezers or other little instruments that you can find um, that are specifically made for that. Um, trying to not squeeze the, the tick when you're doing that or stress the tick out and just simply remove it as close to the skin as possible. And then cleaning the area with um, soapy water and, and a, a, you know, or a mild disinfectant is basically all that needs to be done.
0: Well, that is great information on ticks. I really appreciate that with the with the time that we had left, I'd love to ask you, you know, as we move into this this period of the year, uh, what other things should people be reminded about that they should be getting ready or be doing for their pets as we move into fall, and then, of course, winter is not far behind
1: just just going back to ticks just for a second. one thing that's really helpful to me um, when people remove ticks from dogs is to identify what the tick is. And there's, uh, and I'm just going to make a brief mention of this. This is uh, an organization called, um, the tick spotters. And it's, it's, uh, it comes out of the university of Rhode Island. And all you need to do is go online and, um, just t- type in tick spotters on your Google and it'll pop up. And then, uh, you simply take a, a picture of the tick specifically the back of the tick, but it tells you how to do this on the website and, um, submit that. And they have a couple of questions for you and and then, and then there's no charge. And then they will identify the tick, which is very helpful. If, if, if the people can document, I mean, again, 90% of the time, even if, even if transmission of some of these diseases occurs, your dog is going to be asymptomatic. Their immune system is going to going to handle it and, and and there's going to be nothing that we need to do but in those cases where your dog does get sick it is nice to know what the tick is and that helps us you know maybe narrow down the possibilities of what diseases we're looking for and they will get back to you in a certain amount of time i don't know what that is until you identify that tick for you and then they'll help um, put that in their database so that we can um we can see what kind of new diseases are moving into our area. For instance, for a long time, we told people we don't have Lyme disease here in Idaho. Mm. And while we don't have very much Lyme disease, it is creeping into the area. It's a very specific tick that we thought was just localized to Washington and Oregon called um, Ixodes pacificus. It's a little hard body tick, a little deer tick. Uh, And now we know that it is moving into Idaho. So um, uh, that. That's because of of outfits like this keeping this data and, and informing us what we need to be looking for. So anyway, other things that we look for at this time of the year, it seems like as one of the early bird seasons, chucker hunting starts up, there are certain things that I see. The two biggest ones are um, dogs that have been doing not much, maybe like their owners all summer long, um, and then all of a sudden they go through this, you know, um, usually steep and very rocky country and they end up with all kinds of foot pad uh, problems because their feet aren't very tough. Sure. So maybe we might be a little bit late talking about it this year, but I mean, just getting your dog out and running them on maybe a little bit harder ground, um, and getting those foot pads toughened up. Um, there are some products that have reported to, to be helpful in, in that. I'm not sure they work very well they certainly don't work as well as just getting your dog out and getting them some exercise, maybe on some hard ground and getting, letting those foot pads toughen up a little bit. Um, we also see quite a bit of heat stroke in the fall. Um, you know, on some of these, uh, these warm or warmer than average uh, fall days, or we mm-hmm. get into September and sometimes we hit a near hundred degree temperature. And now all these dogs are doing this vigorous activity out in the, in the, um, in the desert and something like that. And they're just not acclimated for it. Cause they haven't exercised maybe enough all year. And we see uh, heat stroke, um, as a problem. Occasionally we see interactions with rattlesnakes cause they're still out and about. And yeah. now we're putting dogs out into their territory. We see some rattlesnake bites, um, uh, that's, those are the ones that come to mind, I think, the most that are um, certainly uh, always born people in this area about grass-ons, foxtails, uh, grass, things like that, getting into dog's feet, armpits, ears, everything, or just about every place that you can imagine. Mm-hmm. So if your dog comes home from a hunting trip shaking their head, it's probably a good idea to, to take them to your veterinarian and have them checked and make sure they don't have not picked up one of those grass-ons in their ears. Cause that's a very common thing.
0: What, you know, I wanted to ask you about that. So you get a, you get a foxtail or something like that in your dog's ear. He's shaking his head. I mean, what happens if, if he goes untreated?
1: Well, they don't, I mean, they, they just kind of keep on traveling down the ear canal and uh, eventually um, can perforate through the eardrum and end up in the middle ear and cause some pretty severe infections. I mean, we Mm -hmm. pull these grass lawns out of dog's ears external ear canal, middle, middle ear, um, uh, all summer long. And, uh, wait and see is not really the way to if you think your dog has been out in the grass or the, yeah. or the, um, a lot of these foxtails around, uh, and they're shaking their head, it's better to have them take, you know, have us take a look because they don't generally come out on their own. Um, sometimes we'll find them, you know, buried in a lot of earwax and so on, but they're still causing Inflammation in the ear, and and um, and they need to be removed. Well,
0: Doctor I'm as always, you are a wealth of information and helping to uh, help us enjoy our pets out here in Idaho and Eastern Oregon. Thank you so much for coming on and, and being a resource to us again.
1: Always glad to help. Yeah, good talking to you.
0: Well, we hope that's helpful, everybody, and thank you all to being here. Here is to you and your Western lifestyle, however you define it.